How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Wow. It shouldn't take this long. It shouldn't take this long. It shouldn't take this long. Welcome to the Weekend Update with Dave Dufour and Keith Parrish. Every Monday on The Athletic NBA Show. It did the same thing to me that it's intended to do to work. Ding, ding. I have access to information wow. that the public doesn't. And welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore here with Keith Parrish for your weekend update. Coming up, Zion Windmill dunked the Suns into oblivion. The Hawks and Bulls had a wild finish. And the Warriors gave the Celtics a case of finals deja vu. Before we start, don't forget you can get this podcast without ads by subscribing at theathletic.com slash NBA show. Keith, the schedule makers in the NBA have done some weird things the last couple of years. And the weirdest has to be the Phoenix Suns just hanging out in New Orleans for the whole weekend. I just, I mean, I like this. Was it Blues Fest? I hope they had a good time. (laughs) I like, I mean, the food there is amazing. I'm sure Sure. everyone felt fat and happy by the time they got to Sunday. Uh, But the Suns got beat up a little bit over the weekend. They dropped two games in New Orleans to the Pelicans thanks to Zion Williamson. I mean, you know, the big thing from Friday night, that we're all going to remember. Number one is they crushed them. I mean, it was 128-117, and I don't even know if it was that close, Keith. But we're all going to remember Zion Williamson hitting a 360 windmill dunk uh, as time expired, and and uh, he totally pissed off the Suns. Yeah, they didn't like that. They thought it was poor sportsmanship. I, I sympathize. I understand. It is traditional a lot of times. If you're winning, you could run the clock out, and you run the clock out, you don't shoot. However, if you're Zion Williamson, and you have the ability to do that, I think you do that. And (laughs) if a person pulls off a perfect 50 dunk contest level dunk on you, I just think you go and shake his hand. I don't think you, you respond to that with anger. I think you bring it burnt offerings, Dave. I think you I think you should say this is incredible. Thank you for doing it. He's entertaining the fans. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, listen, man, it's certainly sour grapes to to just get your entire team dunked on like that and then be mad about it. You you well, really just you tip the cap. We saw it on Friday night. Which one's worse? Is it better? So Zion had the breakaway 360 windmill spectacular to put it away. Rudy Gobert playing his former team on Friday night with the game decided just like the the jazz were pressing the timberwolves and they broke it and the game was over and he just lays it in and he's like over seven feet tall and like the lay-in is that more respectful yes it may be another person if they were making a return to the team they played for for a long time probably wouldn't have shot that shot but rudy gobert he shoots the shot he's he's bolstering his stats but laying it in feels more disrespectful but is that is it is it more sporting or more disrespectful? I can't tell which which is better. I, I think it. We have to look at it this way: If Rudy Gobert had done a signature Rudy Gobert dunk in that <laughs> position, we would be making fun of him for that. So I think that Rudy did the right thing, but also Zion did the right thing. The other thing Zion did in this game was completely kick the Suns behinds. He had thirty five points in this game, Keith. And look, he's been awesome all year. He was awesome again on Sunday. In the overtime game. And this guy is, I mean, if he's not the best player uh, this week uh, in the Western Conference, he he he's in the running. 
Well, you said he had 35 in that game, and I was going to say which game. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had 35 in both games. He had 35 in both of these games. He follows up this, you know, there's like this, all right, there's a little scuffle after the whistle because of this dunk, and they're like, all right, well, we'll get you back on Sunday, and Zion's like, I'll be here, uh, and I'm going to drop 35 on you again and get the victory. Yeah, and look, on Sunday, they had a, uh, they went to overtime. They, they took it over down the stretch, the Pelicans did, and it, they just put the ball in Zion's hands and had him go do stuff. Keith, over the weekend, he played 79 game minutes against the Suns. He was a plus 46 in those <laughs> minutes. It, that just doesn't really feel like, I mean, it, it's, it's like an NBA guy going back to college. I mean, these kind of numbers that he's putting up. And they were running stuff, especially in overtime of this one. Like you say, yeah, the Suns, I mean, the Suns fought hard, okay? They they played with a lot of effort, a lot of energy. They did not have Devin Booker for the rematch on Sunday. They, they still got it to overtime, despite Zion being very positive when he was on the court. And the Pelicans were spacing it out and being like, Zion, go one-on-one and just beat your guy. And the Suns were getting very frustrated with the officials, and I'm sure Suns fans were outraged at the calls. You're like, that's another foul. What are they supposed to do? And then you watch the replay. You're like, well, they're fouling him. There's nothing. It's it's, it's like Shaq. It's like Shaq where DeAndre Ayton, he can't keep up with this man who is maybe, you know, is probably as strong as him, but also has quicks and a handle and can jump. And it, it, it was a perpetual mismatch. And the Suns, if they have one gap in the roster, it's, someone to guard Zion. Not that anyone can guard Zion, but it's that, it's that four. Who's going to play power forward? And like Torrey Craig can't do it. Dario Saric can't do it. Um, Mikhail Bridges is amazing. He, he's not big enough to do it. But again, I don't know who can do it. Uh, Zion is a beast. Yeah, uh, DeAndre Ayton fouled out of the game on Sunday, and so did Chris Paul, Keith. And he did it <laughs> in a way that was just the perfect amount of comeuppance. Because listen, Chris Paul is a wonderful player. But, man, he's hard to watch sometimes because he's the dirtiest player in the game. And he drew a foul call on Zion for a contested three-pointer Yeah, where he – it was in real time, Keith. I mean, it just – I saw it. You saw it coming. You knew what he was going to do. He basically jumps up for the jump shot and then just lays the recliner back. And Zion had no choice but to be able to run into it. I mean, that's the only way that that play was going to happen. But – through the power of review, Keith. Through the power of review, I know you, he got you, his come I, up, and I know you're you're opposed to review. review. You hate review, but this is one of those instances where, like, both basically both of us have gotten to the point where, like, if we have to review the final plays, it's boring. I don't I don't want to go to VAR and to find out if the goal counts type thing. Um, this was one of those moments where, like, well, this is one of the reasons we have review where it's good where a guy tricks the officials into getting three shots when, when he sh- should not. And again, this was a huge call. They go and look at it and decide, no, 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 that's an offensive foul. Like, he, he puts the leg out offensive foul. Uh, he, he's out of the game. I just, noticed, I just noticed this about the game on Friday, where it wasn't even really that close. The Suns hit 22 threes in that game on Friday, and it wasn't even close. That just shows you how disgusting this Pelicans team is playing right now. They've gotten the one seed. Uh, in the West, they're up to 18 and 8. Also, I do want to shout out uh, Larry Nance Jr. for incredible work off the bench in both of these games. Absolutely torturing the Suns, racking up assists, getting steals, uh, just being that versatile small ball five or whatever you want to call it um, that's really helping this Pelicans, Pelicans team click. 
Yeah, we did a deep dive on Nerder Friday, and we talked about the Pelicans quite a bit. And Larry Nance was a big part of that. We, we feel like the defensive versatility that he gives them, they close the game with him. And I do think Valanciunas had some good moments in this game. He, he gave them some, some really aggressive rebounding on Sunday when they needed it. But they don't comfortably win this game in overtime without Larry Nance being out there, using his speed, using his, his feel for the game. And again, great help side defender. Right, and last Sunday a night, we were, again, talking, we were raving about the Pelicans, and one guy we haven't mentioned who played huge in both these games against the Suns, Najee Marshall. Like, this guy's playing a ton of minutes. It just, again, shows how deep they are, how many different options they can go to, just a bunch of different wing kind of bigs who can fill in and play and defend and play make, and uh, they're a scary team. Yeah, Dyson Daniels. I mean, we we literally with this team, you could just go up and down the roster and you say, oh, man, that guy is also nice. I mean, Najee Marshall, just just some guy that they turned up one day and he closes this game against the Suns. You know, the Pelicans are now at the top of the West. They just yeah. went two and oh against the Suns over the weekend. It feels like we might be kind of overlooking the Pelicans already. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I like it. It's the uh, the Mississippi River teams. uh Pelicans Grizzlies one two in the West right now. Ja and Zion taking back to back against each other in the draft, just as we all dreamed uh, a few years ago. And not the only overtime game on Sunday, Keith, because the Hawks and Bulls they gave us a fun one, and we're just gonna get to the end. Okay, so Keith, this game goes into overtime because the Hawks leading by one fouled Derrick Jones Jr. put him on the free throw line. This should have been a loss, Keith. Derek Jones Jr. hits the two free throws, and the game is over. But he misses one of two, so it's 110-110. We go to overtime. And, Keith, let's just fast forward to the finish of this because it was electric. 22 seconds left. Oh, before wait. we get to the to the two seconds left, can, oh, can oh, we wait, wait, can we on. not miss the Bogdan Bogdanovich Larry Bird over the backboard shot? This overtime was so entertaining. I mean, Bogdan's back. He's been playing heavy minutes. I thought he was on some minutes limitation, but he's been playing a ton of minutes for this Hawks team. He makes a huge shot. It, it puts the Hawks up. It feels like uh, they're easy coasting. But no, um, the Bulls fight back. Now we can get to it. Uh, what Kobe White hits a three pointer, ties it up with twenty seconds left. That's it. 22.1 seconds left. Kobe White hits a three. And look, we know what's coming. It's the Atlanta Hawks. They're going to do this, you know, 90 possessions a game anyway, so they give the ball to Trey Young. Trey's shot has not been dropping here lately, Keith, and it has looked rough, but he hits a pull-up jumper with two seconds left, and that feels like the ball game. It's over. There's no way they're going to blow this, right? Like DeMar DeRozan's going to get the ball at the other end. You know you're going to just defend him as well as you can. The only thing you can't do, Keith, when you're leading by two is what? Well, I wouldn't want to foul a, a 90% free throw shooter attempting a three-pointer, especially if that shooter were DeMar DeRozan, not a particularly adept three-point shooter, although he did have two game-winner three-pointers last season. But yeah, DeMar DeRozan gets fouled, goes to the line, and I know you were happy about this. The play was challenged, so he went to replay. To figure out if the foul should stand. The foul sh did indeed stand. Ed Malloy says, I've seen enough. The call's correct. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, with a half a second left, five-tenths of a second left, makes what are supposed to be the game-winning free throws. He is clutch. He makes three out of three, down two, puts his team up one. Half a second left. We got a game-winner, right, Dave? Keith, 
I do not know how A.J. Griffin both caught the ball, turned his body, and got the shot off in time, but somehow he did. It was an alley-oop pass on the inbound with .5 seconds left. A.J. Griffin makes a fantastic play, Keith, and it looks good live. Like This wasn't one that I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I don't know if he got it off in time. He got it off in time. The clock well, we didn't did have start to, We did have to review it to make sure. We, we did have happy. to review it. We did yeah, have to review it to make what sure. What an amazing the play. There were seven points scored in the final two seconds of that overtime game, Keith. That doesn't seem right. Three lead changes in the final two seconds. I mean, that's why we love it. That's why we love, why we love the game. I, could, I feel bad for Bulls fans. Like, what do you even what if? Like, are you supposed to say maybe is Drummond supposed to be out there defending? Like, you have Derek Jones Jr., a very athletic jumper, a good defender. Just A.J. Griffin makes a better play. Also, the inbounds pass, Jalen Johnson gets his first assist of the game. His only assist of the game is with half a second left in overtime. He comes in, throws this perfect inbounds alley-oop where it has to be. You can't probably put it right at the rim because Derrick Jones Jr. will be able to guard that. But with A.J. Griffin's bulk, his broad shoulders, you throw it a little bit outside where only he can catch it like an NFL quarterback finding his favorite receiver and knowing that Griffin's athletic enough, he's going to catch it and put it in all in the span of five-tenths of a second. An absolutely huge shot, and it's a big win for the Hawks. The Hawks were struggling. They were skidding. They had lost, I believe, five of six when Trey Young had played. DeJounte Murray hurt his ankle. He's out for a couple of weeks. They needed this win and the way they got it. I mean, what excitement. You couldn't script anything more exciting. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Saturday night, Keith, we got a finals rematch, and the Warriors looked basically the same way they did in June. They beat the Celtics 123-107. Klay Thompson had 34. Steph Curry had 32. 20 from Jordan Poole. No Andrew Wiggins, and it didn't even matter, man. They were just cooking like they always do. Yeah, you got to feel like the Warriors... I don't know if they're in a post-championship hangover, but the season hadn't gone great for them. They've been hovering around 500. A lot of discussion about how their bench is playing and their young guys are playing and just how, like, Clay and Draymond are playing. But then you get a matchup with the Celtics team that had been steamrolling literally everyone, and you know the Celtics 
want uh, just a, a, a touch of vengeance for what happened in the finals. And the Warriors dominated. And Steph and Clay were classic Splash Brothers. And Jason Tatum, who had a very strong argument for MVP of the quarter season, if such a thing existed, basically lays a dud. And uh, the Warriors hold him to arguably his worst game of the season. I was just about to say that, Keith. For for me, I, I think I've watched you know the majority of the Celtics games this year. Two of nine from three, six of 21 from the field in 40 minutes, 18 points, seven rebounds, two assists. That's I feel like that was his worst performance of the year. And it's telling that that it stands out because Tatum has become this model of consistency. I think last season carried over into this season where he's been leading this MVP charge. You know, if we're if we're getting to MVP talk a third of the way through the season. Um, but Steph Curry showed why he also should be in this conversation. Game high plus 20 in 37 minutes, Keith. Well, Steph is Steph, and he's had a tremendous year despite the team success of the Warriors not being as elite as, as they might hope. Um, yeah, I mean, I think always when you're talking MVP, it's worth mentioning Steph Curry and the other best players in the NBA. And so, like, it was good to see him just deliver this. Uh, like, it's a, I don't know if it's a wake-up call for the Warriors. I mean, they might go out and, and just lose to some mediocre teams in the next week or two and you're like well it's just the Warriors I don't know if this one Saturday night ABC game meant that much but it felt like it meant a lot and it felt like all right are the Celtics the favorite right now it's like nope you still got to go through the Warriors um you know but but again maybe it doesn't matter maybe just one game I will say Derek White also returned to his uh, finals form and it was bad uh he looked (laughs) shell-shocked once again sorry Derek I'm pulling for you well and no Andrew Wiggins for the Warriors in this game uh Kevon Looney 15 rebounds, man. That's just what he does uh, against these undersized teams like the Celtics are right now. And, you know, you can't help but start looking ahead for the Celtics, I think. They've had this crazy impressive run offensively to start the season. And I think that should not be um, expected to sustain, right? They are not going to be a 121 offensive rating team for the whole season. But Rob Williams is coming back soon. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're going to see is a little bit of a defensive switch from them. They need it because, you know, this game, th- this was the story of the game was Boston's defense couldn't keep up with the Warriors offense. And then the Warriors did a really great job uh, against Boston, got them to stop trusting their offense, you know, which is shades of June. Yeah. And you see the Warriors led by Kevon Looney, you know, they're winning the rebound battle. The Celtics, who have been absurd otherworldly from three, you know, shoot 30% from three, make 12 out of 40. You know, you make a couple more threes, this is a game. So maybe it's not total panic time, but the overall broad narratives of it for the Celtics, it's not a great look, not a great look for Tatum. They'll have another opportunity, um, you know, to, to try to get better, to make amends for this one. But for, for at least one night, the Warriors once again looked exactly like the champions. And we also looked exactly like the champions on this show. That's going to do it for this show, folks. Thank you guys for listening. Keith, let's get out of here. Embiid had 53. Ding, ding. Ding.